A coaching client recently reminded me of a truth that's easy to forget. If you want to have a great conversation with someone, focus on trying to be interested rather than interesting. And how do we demonstrate interest? We ask questions, but there's more to it than that, and not all questions are created equal. Our question this episode: How can we use curiosity to make more meaningful connections with others? Welcome to episode seventy-one of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilo, and I'm really grateful that you've decided to spend time with me today. Before getting to the conversation, a quick reminder that you can read more about my guest and find out how to connect with her on the episode webpage at howcanisaythis.com. And while you're there, you can take a listen to some past episodes, learn how to leave a review or a rating, and take a moment to review the list of seminars that I can bring to your workplace or community, either virtually or when it's okay to do so in person. In particular, this week I want to thank Stu at CLT, and I'm thinking CLT is the airport code、um, for Charlotte, North Carolina. He recently wrote an Apple Podcast review, and he wrote, "When I hear a woman speak from an encouraging, peaceful, reassuring place, she's speaking my language." Great work, Beth. You're communicating to this man. Keep it up. I share that not to、uh, give myself a pat on the back, but just because I'm super grateful that Stu shared that.、Um, Stu, you made my week, and I'm really grateful that you took a minute to share your experience of this podcast. That kind of feedback is really valuable to me, and、um, and it's valuable to other listeners who are wondering if a podcast is worth their time. So I very much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. As for today's topic, I admit to getting a bit geeked out in the conversation, since I'm talking to a fellow coach who happens to be a leader in my field. I'm very active as a leader in my local chapter of the International Coaching Federation, which means that in addition to my work as a coach, I'm extra steeped in what's going on in the profession. So, if you're listening and you're not a coach, please be reassured. There's still absolutely something in here for you. When I was in coach training, I remember thinking many times, "Oh, how different the world would be if everyone learned these techniques for listening and questioning." And now we're seeing more leaders and organizations taking an interest in learning the coach approach for work with their colleagues and teams. It doesn't matter if you're a leader, follower, parent, or partner. Learning how to be genuinely curious is an important skill that will improve your relationships. Marcia and I talk about questions, judgment, and listening, and these are all things that are important to everyone, not just us coaches. So, all of that to say, please forgive me if we lapse into a little bit of coach speak on occasion. I tried to catch it as we were talking and provide some context, and I trust that you'll hear information that will be valuable to you in your quest to strengthen your communication skills. Let's move on and meet our guest. Dr. Marsha Reynolds, Ph.D., M.C.C., is a world-renowned expert on inspiring change through conversations. She has delivered programs and coached leaders in 41 countries and reached thousands online. She has four award-winning books, including *The Discomfort Zone*, *Wander Woman*, *Outsmart Your Brain*. And her latest, "Coach the Person, Not the Problem: A Guide to Using Reflective Inquiry," which was launched just this month. Marcia is passionate about how coaching and the way we listen to each other contributes to making the world a better place for all. 
remember that you can learn more about how to connect with Marsha as well as learn about her book on the episode webpage at HowCanIsayThis.com. Hi, Marsha. Welcome to How Can I Say This? I'm so excited to have a conversation with you. Thank you, Beth. I'm really happy to be here. Well, first, congratulations on the publication of your new book. Thank you. And it's not your first book. So um, what's what's different this time um, from the other times? I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, you know, I write books based on when I see a need. So I'm not just saying, okay, I'm going to write another book. And my first books were things that I was teaching and then things that I was studying. And then I got really focused on coaching and transformational conversations and how people can really help people to get beyond what is blocking their thinking, to see new possibilities. How can we do that for each other in conversations? So my last book, The Discomfort Zone, was about difficult conversations and how we can really help people move through to the other side, even when it's uncomfortable. But this one was really based on not just coaches, but anybody having conversations with people when they're stuck just solving a problem. They don't really get to the root and they're not really helping the person who has the problem. Mm -hmm. So even in any conversation, if I just tell you what to do, you're not likely to do it or to remember it the way I tell you. But if I can help you think differently, then it's your choice to do something, to see something, to be something different. And isn't that a great gift we give people when we talk to them? Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about being a coach Mm -hmm. is it's such a different kind of conversation and it's so empowering for the other person. And there's an art form to it. Yeah. And that said, it's something that we can all learn. Yeah. So I appreciate that you are bringing coaching principles and expanding them for professional coaches as well as making them accessible to people who aren't coaches. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's such a valuable skill for us all to have. Thank you. So we're talking about coaching. So I want to define it because we know it's been around as long as people have been having conversations. But really, it's only been in the past maybe 50 or 60 years that it's been professionalized, you know, credentialed and mm-hmm. and having structures and, and expectations around it. So mm-hmm. um, I found in my 12 years as a coach that there are definitely consistent themes when you ask people what is coaching. But there are also almost as many different definitions of coaching <laughs> as there are coaches. Each person mm-hmm. kind of describes it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about your perspective on how have you come to define coaching? I really like the International Coach Federation, their definition, mm-hmm. which, of course, I helped to create 25 years ago. <laughs> and it's held over all this time. But I look at coaching as that instead of being the expert, the guide, the healer, that I'm your thinking partner. I'm just helping you think through a dilemma. And generally, when we are afraid, angry, uh, bored, when we have emotions, uh, the stories that we're telling about situations get very narrow. And it's really helpful to have what's called an external disruptor, mm-hmm. someone outside of us to reflect on what we're saying and to ask us questions. So it kind of pops the stories. We can see beyond the frames to see what else is possible. And so the ICF definition says that we are partnering 
in a thought-provoking process. So the concept of thinking partner, that we're their partner, we're not more knowledgeable or trying to fix them or heal them, but that we're there as a equal partner to help them think. There's so much power in that. And I think, you know, being a behavioral scientist, that it's the best technology we have mm-hmm. for helping people to grow their minds and change their behavior for the better. Yeah, absolutely. I don't like that expression, now more than ever. But it means something. It does, now more than ever. <laughs> but it's so true right yeah, now. <laughs> it is. And I love that idea of both the thinking partner and the external disruptor. Mm-hmm. And we should say, you know, that that disruptor is not a um, judgmental disruptor or mm. a, you know, poking and prodding disruptor. It's about creating a brave space where you can be disrupted in a productive and healthy way. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't mean you're always going to be comfortable, but it's disruption, perhaps, with a person's best intentions or, you know, with their best interests at heart. Right, right. And, you know, I have done a lot of studying on the the science of coaching. So it's both a science and an art. Mm -hmm. And the neuroscientists say that, you know, we just get so stuck in our thought patterns that they like calcify Mm -hmm. it really takes so when they say an external disruption it's it's um something just to make us stop to pause and to look at how we think and and sometimes just the observation can lead to the breakthrough so when i just say to you so you're telling me that all those people Uh, in that other department, they think that you guys are out to get them. Is that true? And I always use the words the person gave me. So they said, oh, they're out to get us. But when they hear it back, when they hear it said back to them, it's like it activates their observer mind. And they can actually look down on their stories and their thinking. Mm -hmm. And once they see the story, they can see beyond it, which they cannot do for themselves, especially if there's emotions involved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we hold that space for them to become an observer as opposed to a participant. And mm-hmm. and that's powerful, for, I think, for anyone to be able to learn how to do yeah. when it comes to these kinds of difficult conversations that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I could geek out on the coaching side of things mm-hmm. uh, for a long time here. <laughs> and I want to um, shift a little bit to your book, which is called Coach the Person, Not the Problem. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that is a cornerstone is talking about the difference between questions and inquiry. Mm -hmm. So can you outline for us what's the difference and why does it matter? You know, um, in the book, there's a chapter called Five Crazy Coaching Beliefs. And it's just the things that have developed over the last 20, 25 years. And, And know that I teach coaching skills for five different schools now around the world. And I see these same things over and over. And one of them is that it's all about the powerful question. I have to ask the right question. Mm-hmm. You know, and so whenever the coach is like trying to remember the right question or formulating it, then they're not being present. And so it's not about the powerful question that what I have found is that Often it's more about the powerful reflection, the summarizing, the paraphrasing, the just giving back key words and noticing emotions that the person is 
expressing because if I'm helping you think about your thinking, Mm -hmm. then when I reflect back to you what you're saying and the emotional shifts you're making and then ask the question out of curiosity about what I shared with you, not what I remembered, then that's what helps you really look at your thinking. So inquiry is a combination of reflection and questions and it's far more powerful in creating insight than just asking a question alone, which is more like problem solving than it really is coaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting that in the International Coach Federation, um, this is just for the benefit of listeners, we have a set of core competencies that um, have been identified as best practices, if you will, um, qualities that an effective coach will embody. Mm -hmm. And in the core competencies that we've been working with for the past however many years, Mm -hmm. powerful questions or powerful questioning was one of them. Mm -hmm. And in um, November of last year, they released a new model and I noticed that powerful questioning went away as a as a core competency standalone. But what it was was it was um, integrated in many different ways throughout other competencies. And I'm just curious, you know, what your thought is on on that in terms of what you just said, because it seems aligned with what you just said. Absolutely, and um, you know, for the listeners, I I was a founding member in fifth president of the ICF. So that's why I was around Mm -hmm. when all the competencies and definition were created. Um, But I went back on the board um, a couple years ago when we were redesigning Mm -hmm. the competencies. And there was full agreement that it's not about specific things you do. Mm -hmm. It's about who you are as a coach and that the goal is to create insight, to create a new awareness And in the original competencies, people would focus on the powerful question and not direct communication, Mm -hmm. not the (laughs) reflection. And the reflection of emotions often leads to the new awareness. So the thinking was, if we create the competency to focus on awareness, then what you do as a coach in using questions and reflection fits underneath the umbrella of awareness. They saw, too, that questions had become, I always say, the cult of the powerful question. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. people write books on, here, ask these questions, um, which might be good for a leader just starting to shift from telling um, to being curious. Yes. But once you get into really wanting to do coaching, you have to go beyond that. And so they said, how do we get people away from trying to remember the best questions or, or how do I formulate this? And so they'd ask a question and say, no, no, let me restate that and do it again. And no, no, let me restate that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just was too much emphasis on the action instead of truly partnering with the client. Yeah. And much more emphasis on presence. Mm -hmm. Yes. And like you said, invoking awareness. And and the other thing I appreciate, and I think this is also applicable for our listeners, um, coaches or not, there's more mention of silence Mm -hmm. as a tool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let them think. Mm -hmm. Give them space, you know, especially if you've said something really powerful. The interesting thing about breakthrough 
in the brain is that what's happening is, you know, the brain is a meaning-making machine. And we have to make meaning out of everything, even if the meaning isn't logical. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we do it anyway. But when I coach you, and and again, often just share a reflection so you look at your thinking and all of a sudden your brain says that does not compute Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. what happens is there is a pause in the brain as it says i have to rewire and so for a moment they're going to give you what i call the baby stare (laughs) where they're like huh Huh? (laughs) yeah yeah and and every coach I know says, yeah, when there's an aha moment, they just give me this really blank stare. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what that means is the brain is rewiring. And as soon as it comes back online, yes, there's an acknowledgement of an insight and often an emotion. Like when they may be embarrassed. Wow, I, I look at what I've been doing to myself all these years. Or they could be sad for um, what they didn't see before. They could be angry Mm -hmm. about it. And that's okay, too. So we have to use silence and give them the space to feel whatever they're feeling because they're going to move through it. So how does all of this transfer outside of the coaching container into our interpersonal and interprofessional relationships? Well, two things. Um, The other competency that's brand new is coaching mindset. Oh, I loved it, too. Yes. I know. (laughs) It moves the focus to the being Mm -hmm. a coach and being with people and the whole concept of presence and emotional uh, regulation and intelligence. And that can help all of our conversations. So there's so much richness in what we can do to create a coaching mindset. So that's helpful. And going back to uh, the, especially right now, (laughs) um, there's so many emotions going on with the acceleration of change that we're facing and, you know, some of the difficulties, economic difficulties, personal changes, that how we are with each other is really critical. So again, I don't need you to make me feel better. Tell me what to do. I need you to listen to me. I need you to be present. I need you to let me feel whatever I'm feeling, you know, which is critical right now. So don't tell me it's going to be okay, Mm -hmm. you know, because I need to be with where I'm at in order to be able then to move forward. Yeah. It's a good time to implement the competencies of coaching. Yeah. So when you say compassionate curiosity, mm-hmm. that's something I'm familiar with. But I wonder if you could just unpack that for a second and share a little bit about what that sounds like. Yeah. So there's two concepts I teach in Coach the Person, Not the Problem, uh, non-reactive empathy, and then compassionate curiosity. So, you know, first off, in, in non-reactive empathy, I may feel what you're going through, but then I release it because I can't get stuck in your story and whatever it is you're feeling in order for me to help you to move forward. Mm-hmm. So I release it and then I'm I'm curious about what's going on. What's the belief that you're holding about the present situation and, and the what if assumptions you're making about the future? But I don't want to ask them in an interrogation style. (laughs) So, you know, there's a softness to it. It's like I'm genuinely curious because I want to understand how you think about this situation because I think that's going to help us both move forward. So they have to feel that you truly care 
about them and their goals, not just your goals and what you want them to do, mm-hmm. which is a shift. And so they have to feel it. So it's not an intellectual process is because feeling is a biological process that I really feel it from you. Yeah. I, I like that you're, you're reminding us it's just because you're asking questions or being curious um, to notice and make sure you're not going into kind of interrogation mode mm-hmm. and listening not to prove or disprove or judge or mm-hmm. that sort of thing, but just to be open mm-hmm. as you're listening. Mm-hmm. Well, I, one of the things that you talk about in the book, and this is actually kind of fresh for me because I just had a conversation with some coaches about it, which is being non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. That's one of the core things that we are taught when we start our coach training, mm-hmm. that coaching is a non-judgmental space. And whether it's explicitly or implicitly said, it's kind of implied like you need to be non-judgmental. You need to get rid of your judgments, uh-huh. right? And I appreciate that you bring up it's in our nature to be judgmental. <laughs> right. It's like... You can't, it's hard to fight it. And and that rather than saying that any human being is capable of being completely free of judgments, it's better to catch and release our judgments. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, I, like many people, saw judgment as an opinion, that it was a thought. And I told you I teach all over the world. And I, I, what I'm missing right now is I've been teaching in China for 10 years and, and our value systems are so different that they trigger my judgment all the time. Mm, <laughs> it's a mm-hmm. great learning experience for me because I, I got to realize that it's, uh, I feel it right in my solar plexus and different people feel emotions in different places in their body. But I get the hit and I know where it is. It's like, ah, there it is. But the quicker that I can feel it in my body, then the quicker I can just breathe and release it and come back to appreciating this person in front of me who's got a dilemma they want to solve. And they're a good person and they want to accomplish great things. And can I not be present with them? So, yes, we are all judgmental by nature because it's survival instinct. It's part of our fight flight. You know, is this safe? Mm -hmm where we're at and it's operating it's part of our operating system going on all the time so you can't take that away but the quicker that you can notice the hit mm-hmm. <laughs> in your body and i always say go to places you know um, that you're going to be triggered so if you're free now to walk around i always say go to places like an airport yeah. <laughs> those you know they, they always trigger your your anger your judgment your irritation or mm-hmm. or your relatives that <laughs> that do that for you and just notice like i have a sister and boy does she trigger my judgment <laughs> <laughs> but it's helped me to recognize where it is and to practice like okay that's interesting i'm judging this can i just breathe it out <sighs> Release it. And, and it's not just release it. It's shifting. And, and so you heard me say, come back to this person. I really appreciate what they're trying to achieve. So there's compassion there as well. If I can shift to compassion, then I can release the judgment. Yeah. 
I'm thinking of, you know, during these very unusual times, and I should say for anyone who's listening to this um, from the future, uh, we, we are still, you know, grappling with the global pandemic. And um, and I think, at least for me, I feel like in a very short time, my brain has been rewired in some ways mm-hmm. to where even going to the grocery store is extremely stressful. And I find my judgment bubbling to the surface in a split second. All it takes is is just, you know, I'll just reveal, you know, one person without a mask or somebody even walking the wrong way down an aisle where it's taped to be one way. Mm-hmm. I struggle. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate seeing those as opportunities to kind of stretch that muscle. <laughs> the other thing I hear you saying, though, is also to not judge ourselves for being judgmental. Um, that just kind of layers it mm-hmm. on to be compassionate with ourselves when those kinds of thoughts and stories mm-hmm. are are running through us and to recognize that that's part of being human it doesn't mean that we don't work on it yeah but it does mean you know like don't beat mm-hmm. yourself up for it right exactly in fact any emotion we feel the emotion happens before the thought so well it happened mm-hmm. yeah. and you should just say well look at that that's fascinating i'm feeling i'm angry yeah <laughs> what's that about mm-hmm. um, i'm yeah. irritated you know, what's irritating me? And is there something that I need to do about it? Or really, this is, uh, there's nothing I can do. So (sighs) can I just let it go? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Because that's, I think, giving us permission to be human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. to close out our conversation, um, this is kind of collapsing your book along with the difficult conversation topic. But mm-hmm. in what ways does focusing on the person, not the problem, mm-hmm. help us when we're having difficult conversations? Well, remembering that if the person has something that's that's stopping them from achieving something they want. So let's even just say it's a performance conversation. Um, if you just focus on their behavior, then they're often going to just argue with you. You know, all the research on feedback is like we have the same reaction to feedback as we do with somebody holding a gun to our head. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If somebody says, can I give you some feedback? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so the people say, I love it. Well, you only love it when you want it, not when somebody wants to give it to you. So. If you're truly wanting to help people change, then you want to help them think differently. Um, So in the conversation, uh, there may be a goal that you both agree to working toward. Um, But again, it has to be a goal that the person wants to achieve as well, something useful for them. Do they want to be a better leader? Do they want better relationships? Do they want just less stress in their life? And that way... When you start to ask them how they think about situations and um, what they think is right and wrong, um, you might help them to see, well, you know, how you're thinking right now or the actions you're doing is stopping you from getting your goal met. Do you realize that? And if they then do, then they may be open um, to looking at other possibilities. It's like there has to be an opening in order for people to learn. So they have to say, oh, wow, you're right. You know, I didn't really know that or I didn't look at it that way. Um, I didn't realize I was sabotaging myself. And it's not about telling them because that will shut them down. 
But just, you know, using reflections and questions Mm -hmm. helps them see the gaps in their logic and how they're living off an old belief that doesn't serve them now, especially under the current challenges. Once they see that, then they see their own way forward and they'll change their behavior for good. We're telling them what to do is generally only a temporary change. So what is it you want in the long run? Do you want them to change? Then you help them to change their mind, not just their behavior. Great distinction. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, you've given us so much to think about, and um, I'm absolutely going to be including links to Coach the Person, Not the Problem, as well as your other books on the episode webpage. Thank you. Um, how can people get in touch with you, Marsha, and learn more about what you do? Uh, my website is covisioning, one word, covisioning.com. And under the books, there's links to resources and lots of freebies that they can use to help with their conversations. Uh, And I'm just Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at covisioning.com if they have questions. And I'm on all the social media as well. Great, great. Well, thank you so much, Marcia. It's been a delightful opportunity to chat with you. Again, congratulations on the book, and thanks for your generous sharing today. Thank you, Beth. It was a great conversation. I'm going to pull out one of the points from that conversation for your call to action. As I mentioned when talking with Marsha, being trained to notice and suspend judgment is one of the more fundamental and powerful skills I've learned as a coach. And it's one that even though I've been coaching for 12 years, I continue to work on to this day. And what Marsha said is super important. We need to acknowledge that experiencing judgment is part of what makes us human. It's virtually impossible to eliminate judgment completely. But what is possible is to notice when it appears and choose to release it, to not let it get in the way of connecting with another person. Your call to action is to pay attention to the small judgments you make every day and just notice when they pop up and how they feel. And if you think, well, I'm not a judgmental person or I don't make judgments every day, I would challenge you to think again. For instance, and these are all going to sound rather trivial, but they're a great place to start stretching this muscle. Notice if you judge someone else for the clothes that they're wearing, or if you judge how your partner folds the laundry, or your neighbor's scrappy lawn, or how someone else is responding to their crying child. See the judgment, notice it as it passes through your mind, and name it if you can. And at that point, say to yourself, that was a judgment. That person isn't defined by what I'm seeing. And then choose to release it. Now, if you want to go deeper, ask yourself, what does my judgment say about me? Because what you judge gives you priceless information. If I'm judging someone else because of a choice they make, it tells me something about my own values and choices. It tells me something about what's important to me. My judgment says way more about me than it does about the other person. Judgment turned outward has potential to create division, but judgment turned inward in a healthy, curious, and reflective way, in a way that says, I wonder what this says about what's important to me. That has the potential to create greater self-awareness. 
Now, to be clear, this doesn't mean that you're judging yourself for judging. It simply means that you're making space to get curious and see if there's something to learn from your reaction. And once you start to notice these little micro judgments, it's easier to start noticing and reining in the bigger judgments that get in the way of connecting with others and in forming meaningful relationships. Now, remember that if you're a coach, a facilitator, a leader, or a person who simply wants to improve the quality of your conversations, get a copy of Marsha's book, Coach the Person, Not the Problem. If you've heard something in this episode that resonated with you or was helpful, feel free to reach out to me and let me know. I would love to hear from you. There's a contact form on my website at howcanisaythis.com, or you can reach out to me at beth at howcanisaythis.com. I also welcome your ratings, reviews, and shares, and I look forward to sharing with you again in a couple of weeks. Until then, I wish you and yours safety, health, and good spirits. This is Beth Below, and you have been listening to How Can I Say This? You can find past episodes, leave a review, or learn more about the show at HowCanIsayThis.com. A special thank you to our podcast producer, Paul Messing. Our theme music is by Brett Anderson. I am so appreciative that you join me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Mm-hmm.